Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Golden Knights podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And remember, tell them that Locked On Golden Knights sent you. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. I'm Jack Manning. I'm AJ Alexander. And the Golden Knights are dropping like flies, AJ. Uh, Mark andre Fleury is out on COVID protocol. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is out with what looks to be a broken hand or a broken wrist. Uh, Robin Leonard is practicing with the Henderson Silver Knights on a conditioning stint. Mark Stone is barely in the lineup looking like he's running at half speed. It looks like the Golden Knights are falling victim to the ever-present injury bug. What the hell are they going to (laughs) do? Well, it is such a shame that Marc-Andre Fleury has to obviously take some time off. He was having a Vesna-worthy season so far, carrying the team in many instances. Definitely over the last few games uh, with the Wild. Seemed besides Coughlin and Fleury, nothing going there. Man, the Wild are definitely exciting now. I take back what I said a few episodes ago. They are exciting to watch, but they are a tough team, and they completely owned the Golden Knights over the series. I mean, it was a close close games here and there, but at the same time, they got swept, bottom line. No, to be fair, they got swept in the in the the second two games of a series that was split up with a with a little visit with the Sharks. They they seem to have a good enough performance against the the Wild in the first two games to hold on and to and to make themselves look respectable. But you're absolutely right. The same trend that's been going on since the very beginning of the Golden Knights franchise, at least as it pertains to the Wild, is that the Wild just simply seem to have their number. Yeah, and we saw the last game where the Golden Knights came back furiously at the very end, just ran out of time, really beat themselves in a lot of ways because they waited too long to actually get going. It really looks like they just get bored at times. Am I off there? I I don't know if they're getting bored, but man, it does. It does seem like they don't take the wild as seriously as they should, as evidenced by that very first goal in the last game against the wild, where 29 seconds in, whatever it was, 18 seconds in, the, the Golden Knights have one in the back of their, their own net, and it looked like they just weren't ready. They just weren't ready to start the game. Have you noticed it happening in general? You see the team just kind of mentally take a period off here and there, and it, they either pull themselves out of it or dominate the game and don't have to worry about it in the end, but we definitely saw it here. There's no doubt about that, but at the same time, I do just notice that at times where, quite simply... They just take periods off at times. I'm not sure what it is. Motivation. Just I'm going to throw out a theory here and I'm going to relate right. this to my own life. And, and that's <laughs> it. When I find that I've got plenty of time to get something done for work, I've got days and days and days. It's easy for me to go, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll do it the day after that. And then I find myself with, with one day left to get something done or, or just a few hours. And all of a sudden the pressure is on and I am doing my absolute best work because if I don't, I'm going to get fired. And so I I, kind of- Just admitted to being a procrastinator on air. That is exactly what I've admitted (laughs) to. And so the the truth is, 
some people perform better under pressure and it's possible sure. it's possible that the golden knights aren't allowing themselves to feel the pressure uh, of the regular season because they've been doing so absolutely well their record continues to be among the best in the league and perhaps they just aren't willing to to put themselves at risk of injury willing to put themselves to the brink because they just don't need to at this point. I don't know if that's the case, but man, if, if I were in their shoes, if I were that far ahead of the rest of the division uh, with games in hand, I, I could find myself slacking off just a bit myself. Okay, so let's put a label on that because if they're not bored, what is it? Unmotivated? I mean, we're, we're talking podcasts here. It's locked on. We need a label, you know? All right. So I would say <laughs> if I were going to, to label it as anything, it's that they're conserving their energies for when it really counts. You have a future in PR, my friend. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as as a practicing attorney, I, I can tell you there's always a right way and a writer way to say whatever you need to say. <laughs> With the Golden Knights headed into a back-to-back -back set of games against the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis this weekend, certainly the pressure is on. With no Marc-Andre Fleury likely to be available for either Friday or Saturday's game, and with, with potentially a tandem of Oscar Dansk and Logan Thompson in that back-to-back, -back, or a, a, a tandem that includes Robin Leonard because he is practicing with Henderson right now, I could see a scenario where they fly him in for the back half of that back-to-back. -back. It does seem like this is an opportunity for the rest of the team to, to show that you know, they can win without Marc-Andre Fleury. That Marc-Andre Fleury, although he has been absolutely fantastic, if the team can't win with another goalie in net, then there is an issue. And so this is going to be a great opportunity for them to prove themselves. At the same time, it's going to be an opportunity for, I would assume, Logan Thompson to jump out, get his first NHL start, and show whether or not that outstanding set of performances he's had in Henderson can translate to the National Hockey League level. Because right now, he's riding a perfect save percentage <laughs> through, Careful, uh, my friend. through about Careful. one period. <laughs> yeah, I mean, less than ideal circumstances, of course, but that's the life of a backup goalie, and that's what he is right now. Well, it's what he was against Minnesota, anyhow. I'm having some year one flashbacks. I mean, I hope we don't go five deep into the goalie uh, depth chart, but my goodness, it really, I just, I know I've already said it, but it's just a shame that, and it's just really a shame that players that are having a having a great season and our um, remarkable roles just can't keep it together. Can't keep the momentum going because of COVID. And that's just the world we live in right now. It really is a shame. And then you see Leonard on the shelf and he's got six days in the AHL of practice and or three games. It's or three games. Is that correct? So it's actually the, whichever comes first, six days or three games. Okay. And so the, there's the ability for, the Golden Knights to request uh, special permission from Gary Bettman to allow uh, that period to be extended by two additional games if the circumstances warrant it. And so we'll look to find out whether or not they make that request. Obviously, he was Leonard was ultimately placed on long-term injured reserve retroactive to his first date of injury. That allowed them in turn to assign Leonard to the Henderson Silver Knights for a post-LTIR conditioning stint. And so it's, it will be interesting to see whether or not they bring him to, 
to St. Louis to play at least one of those two games. But at the same time, with for a guy who's been out of the lineup for nearly a month, would they rather just allow him to get a game in Henderson that's low stakes while a guy like Logan Thompson or a guy like Oscar Dansk gets one more NHL start? So it really comes down to conditioning. I think if you ask a goalie, are you good to go? They're always going to say yes, which is why I think a lot of times relying on Marc-Andre Fleury, to be honest, in past seasons here, as far as do you need a break? Didn't really work because they always asked him. Of course, you're going to ask a world-class elite athlete if they're good to go. They're going to say yes. So you either have to rely on Leonard being honest, which is rough, nothing personal. But again, that's the mindset of an elite athlete. Sure. Or you at least split the games. Now, question one. If they split the games, do you go with Logan Thompson or do you go with Oscar Dansk for one of those games? If it's my call, I'm going with Logan Thompson all day, every day. We've seen who Oscar Dansk is at the NHL level. He is a perfectly fine AHL goaltender, good enough to lead the AHL Silver Knights all the way to to a Calder Cup if that's if that's how far they can go. But I just don't see Oscar Dansk as being an NHL level goalie. He's no Malcolm Subban, right? <laughs> He's actually having a fantastic year in Chicago. Now, on the other hand, Logan Thompson has been outstanding. The best goaltender, by at least as far as I'm concerned, the best goaltender in the AHL so far this year. And, and I would love to see what he can do at the NHL level if he, if he gets his own start. This is a guy that has absolutely come out of nowhere, is similar to a Jordan Bennington uh, from the St. From the Louis Blues Stanley Cup run. And, and who knows, maybe the Golden Knights found themselves lightning in a bottle, are, are able to grab Logan Thompson, throw him right into the mix, and he rises to the top and creates a whole new goalie controversy of his own. I, I don't know that I necessarily need another goalie controversy in, <laughs> in my life, but I would love to see Logan Thompson try to create one by being lights out. If he can be anything like he's been in Henderson for the big club, for the NHL Golden Knights, that would be an outstanding problem to have. I know it's a turn of phrase here, but I have to clarify. You said all day, every day. Do you start him for both games in the back-to-back? -back? I just want everyone to make sure we're clear here. No, I, no I, I, I'm not advocating for Logan Thompson to get back-to-back -back games as his first two NHL games. I am, however, advocating that I would go with Logan Thompson over Oscar Dansk if we're talking about getting Robin Leonard in for a game on Saturday night. Would you split the two, Dansk and Thompson, rather than bringing Leonard into the mix right away? Again, if it's your team, of course. Yeah, if if it's my team, you know, I, I've got to I've got to talk to Leonard, find out how he's feeling conditioning wise. So you're running into that, you're running into that problem again. Do you trust an athlete to tell the truth? I, you know, I do. I, I think that I've, I've okay. got to take the, I've got to take the guy at his word. And, and I, at the end of the day, I think that a rusty Leonard is probably a lot better than Oscar Dansk at his best. All right. and, and by the way, you should never go and ask someone for a rusty Leonard. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I know that's, that's probably, a I bust. love it. That's getting cut. <laughs> that's good. Personally. I love it. I just want you to know that whether you cut it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
I would almost always choose a Rusty Leonard over a fully rested Oscar Dansk because I've seen what Oscar Dansk is at his best. And I just think that almost any time that you've got a chance to play Leonard over Oscar Dansk, you have to take it. But you want Leonard in there for at least one of those games, right? Because I think I disagree with you there. But just to be clear, you want Leonard to get one of those weekend games in, yeah? I want Leonard to get a game as long as he says that he's ready for a game. Yeah, I, I think I split it with Dansk and I almost said Ferguson. I think you split it with Dansk and the Young Bug because the bottom line is they've got the points to spare as far as the standings go. And I know that sounds crass, like you're just being brazen with the standings, but I think you just give Leonard as much time as he needs to get right mentally as far as coming back into the game with so much time off. Again, that's a big part of goaltending is mental acuity and being ready for the game. I want him at his top shape, especially with Flurry out because they're going to ride Leonard just like they've been riding Flurry this whole time without him. So I don't know. I think I disagree with you there. I think you split it with the young guys and just take what happens uh, as it goes, because again, they've given themselves a bit of a cushion, if you will, in the standings. And I think that, you know, every team runs into things like this. And this is just one of those times where the Knights can write off a game, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I never want to think that the Golden Knights are writing off a game as much as I've, I just spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about <laughs> how I think they, they they might be procrastinating a little bit in... in That's why I chose my words carefully there. <laughs> I but don't want to say they're taking a game off, but t- go ahead. Yeah, but... but you know, I, I want to be clear here. I'm not going to throw a chair through the window if if Oscar Dansk plays one of these games, even if Robin Leonard says that he's ready to go. Uh, I think that the team should be able to eke out a good performance against the Blues. I Frankly, I'd, I'd be a lot more comfortable with uh, with Oscar Dansk playing a game if they were playing against the Sharks or, or, or the Ducks, but they don't happen to have that luxury this weekend. And so we'll see where things land. Obviously they've got three games in hand against uh, the Minnesota wild who are one point behind them in the standings. And so, like you say that it's not the end of the world. If they drop both games, there's, they're still going to be leading the division in terms of point percentage. Uh, I've got no problem giving Oscar Dansk one more shot uh, to, to eke out a good performance in net, but it should be a last resort. And if Leonard plays on Friday night in, in Henderson and then can hop on a plane and be in St. Louis by game time on uh, on Saturday night, go for it. I've got no problem with that either. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But after that, we'll be right back to talk more Golden Knights. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football is over, but the NBA, college basketball, and especially the NHL and college hockey are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and real-time updated odds and props are available on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets online, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and enter the promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and you can get 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On. We're covering everything you need to know about the Vegas Golden Knights, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every day in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. 
<laughs> Obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't have a ton going for them against the Wild in the last game they played. But man, the of the things that they did have going, Dylan Coglin, talk about an outstanding performance going from zero goals on the season to a hat trick in a single game. One of the most incredible single game stories that didn't involve a win in Golden Knights history. Yeah, and that's the real shame about it. Alex Petrangelo probably out, I would say, a month, month and a half calendar time and you've got Dylan Coughlin who just kind of thrust into the lineup and you hear about his right-handed slap shot oh my gosh it's great you didn't really see it a whole lot of times up until this point because my goodness it was on display and the first defenseman to do this in what 30 years first defenseman to score a hat trick in the first game that he scored a goal in about 30 years and and he said he hadn't scored a hat trick in almost as long since he was maybe 10 or even younger. So it's kind of ironic that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the smile on his face was was so satisfying. I, I haven't been shy this year about my criticisms of Dylan Coughlin. Obviously, he's a young rookie looking to make his way in the league. But I think that he's definitely on the, the lowest rung of the depth chart to still be playing games. Uh, sure. Certainly behind White Cloud and, and Haig, in my view, behind Holden and certainly the, the rest of the, the veterans on the, the Golden Knights blue line. But man, he had an outstanding offensive game against the Wild, especially in those dying minutes of the game. And if Alex Tuck had been able to bury that one empty net chance, a wide open net available to him, the Golden Knights might have actually pulled that game out. And so, so and so that's why I don't have a, a huge amount of concern about what happened uh, against the Wild in these past two games, because I think they had every opportunity to, to win. I think that they could have won. And I think if the, the all the chips were on the table and they were all in and they're in a playoff scenario, I think that's a game that the Golden Knights ultimately pull out. Right. Uh, I, I'm not saying they weren't trying hard to win in that third period, but I think they would have been trying a little bit harder through the uh, uh, through the first half of that third period and, and through the second. And again, just one of our most recent episodes, we talked about Dylan Coughlin being benched. And like you said, we haven't shied away from being critical of him, but it's it's in all fairness, because, again, he was benched for about what, at least one period. And that's. Just like we said before, that's the life of a rookie player in general, especially a rookie defensive man. You're going to have great highs, especially as an offensive defensive man who get noticed more. But you're also going to have some lows. He got benched, and it speaks a lot to his maturity and his mental mental game as far as, okay, I'll take that benching, I'll take the criticism, and I'm going to respond. And he definitely did. If Dylan Coughlin can use the the confidence that I would expect he built off of those three goals, if he can use that to prove to himself and feel as if he can score in this league and he can continue to, to build on that point generation, then I think the rest of the habits that he's developed in the AHL will follow. I I know that Dylan Coughlin is not ever going to be a shutdown defenseman. He's never sure. going to be the guy that you want out there protecting a lead in the dying minutes of the game. In all fairness, neither is Shea Theodore, to be honest. You know, I would have I would have said that last year. I've got a little bit more faith in Shea this year to to be out there when the chips are down, if only because he's such a good skater uh, and he can back check so incredibly well. 
Um, but I'm, I'm with you. The, sh- there are better options for the Golden Knights to be out there killing the right. dying minutes of a game w- when they're winning. Obviously, Zach Whitecloud has shown himself to be an outstanding guy when the chips are down. Um, I have a question on that, actually. We saw Coughlin insert himself into the lineup after the Petrangelo injury, and, and I'm not questioning that, obviously. The results speak for themselves, but Whitecloud was on that third pairing rather than the second with Coughlin, and at first, I thought maybe because White Cloud will likely see more time on the PK. But we saw Coglin out there on the PK, which is also great. It's a great confidence boost uh, from Coach DeBoer to give him that responsibility. But why don't you think White Cloud's seen more time on the second pairing? You know, I, I think that he just plays so darn well with Haig that that, that, sure. pa- that pairing is the most effective use of both of those guys. Haig is better when he's with White Cloud and White Cloud is better when he's with Haig. And so as long as they're getting comparable minutes to the second pair, you know, whether they're labeled the first pair, the second pair, or the third pair, I think is largely immaterial. As long as Petrangelo is out, you're going to have Martinez and Shea Theodore eating the vast majority of those minutes. And that's the way you want it. And and then you're going to split time relatively evenly between Hague and White Cloud and, and, and Coughlin and, and McNabb. And by the way, so good to have McNabb back in the lineup. Yes, great uh, timing. A, a little bit rusty. No, no, no getting around that, but that's to be expected after being out for, for over a month. Uh, but in any event, I, I think that there's, there's a little bit too much emphasis put on who is on what numbered line as long as they're getting the minutes. I think that's really what's key. All right, so we're going to be back in just a few minutes to talk about the changes to the NHL draft and when the NHL draft is ultimately going to happen for 2021. We've been telling you about the Built Bar, the best tasting Built Bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best because it is Built Bar Madness. Every day this week, Built Bar is having a matchup between its best flavor of Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com or to at Built underscore Bar on Twitter and vote for your favorite Built Bar. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. So all this talk about young players excelling obviously gets the attention toward the draft where they come from in the first place. There was a lot of talk and chatter about the draft, maybe changing schedules, maybe splitting up the rounds on the timeline and whatnot. So so Gary Bettman came out a couple of days ago, the commissioner of the NHL, uh, and clarified that despite all the talk to the contrary, the NHL draft is going to go forward as scheduled uh, in July, the end of July, and despite the fact that teams have had little opportunity to scout uh, players all over the world, including in the WHL and the OHL specifically, they're going to move forward with the draft. And I think there's a lot of good reasons to do that, not least of which is that the date of the draft and when players are drafted is part of the NHL collective bargaining agreement. And in order to change the date of the draft, in order to push it back six months or a year, especially if you're going to limit 
the number of players that are going to be eligible to join their team. First year players are going to be eligible to join their team uh, as rookies. Uh, it creates a whole slew of, of contractual headaches. And I think they just weren't willing to take on that stress and that frustration without a really compelling reason. And the NHL GM saying, hey, we haven't had enough time to scout these guys just isn't a, a particularly compelling reason. It may not be fair, especially to those teams that are at the bottom of the standings because they haven't had an opportunity to truly evaluate everyone. Everyone is on the same playing field. So it's really fair enough. Everyone has had the access to the same tape. They all have the access to the same, the same game play. They just don't have access to watching guys play in person. And that's just how it's going to be. And at the end of the day, a lot of the guys that maybe would have been drafted are probably going to go undrafted. Some guys that maybe should not be drafted are probably going to get picked up. And that's, unfortunate, but it's all going to shake out in the wash because ultimately the best players are going to rise to the top. The best players are ultimately going to end up in the, in the NHL. They might take a slightly different path. They might have to sign a, a, a pro contract after their, their season ends after they, they are no longer eligible for the draft, or they might just have to wait an extra year to get drafted. But to me, I think this is the right choice. I think that it's important for things to go on as scheduled so that the world can get back to normal as quickly as possible. And we're recording this on the one-year anniversary of the NBA and NHL seasons getting canceled, uh, at least temporarily. Um, so it has definitely been an interesting ride. I don't really need to go into that for anybody listening. We all know the deal. And like you said, everyone's on an even playing field. But despite not moving the draft schedule, there were some changes to the lottery. Yeah, that's right. So it's not official yet. There still has to be a formal vote taken by the, the NHL Board of Governors and the, and the GMs, but it's looking pretty likely that they're going to adjust some of the rules to the NHL draft lottery system. And I, I think they're pretty good rules. And the first, first of which is one that I think comes a, a, a fair amount too late. And that's that going forward, a team can only win the draft lottery twice in five years. And so that's going to prevent teams like the, the New York Rangers uh, from picking up another, uh, another lottery pick, uh, even though they, they may not make the, the playoffs. And I think that's important for, for a team, especially like the Rangers, that has jumped up 10 spots to, to take the first overall pick, especially when they were in the play-in round of the playoffs last year. Right, yeah. That just seems fundamentally unfair to a lot of people, including myself. And I think that... And Detroit Red Wings fans. <laughs> <laughs> especially the Detroit Red Wings fans who were historically bad last year and nonetheless found themselves picking fourth overall. Now, they still got a really great player. All the guys in the top 10 usually are pretty great players unless... You know, you've got a, a GM that's making a big reach, but at the end of the at the end of the day, they need to prevent teams from continuously being bad and being motivated to be continuously bad. You don't want the the New York Rangers intentionally missing the playoffs for another chance at the lottery. Ooh, you don't want the Buffalo. Intentionally, Gary Bettman today said that he doesn't believe tanking occurs in the NHL. So just to be clear, not to interrupt, you are stating that you think it happens. I think it's uh, obvious, but still. It it absolutely happens. If, Thank if you. You go back to the year that Connor McDavid was drafted 
by the Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres were trading away every goalie who could make a save just so they could have a chance to draft an elite talent like that. And you know, they, they ended up missing on Connor McDavid and picking up Jack Eichel and the, the rest has been history, but there's no question about it. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, um, among many others have tanked, have caused themselves to do worse in the standings so they can get a better draft pick. And you can't really blame them when that's what the system rewards. I don't fault the Buffalo Sabres for, for trying to get an elite player like McDavid, but I do think it's an, an absolute problem when a team like Buffalo is bad for a decade straight. And that's, and I think that is in further encouraged every time they're having a down season that they say, well, maybe we'll do better next year if we can just pick up that next great guy. The next change that they're making to, to the NHL draft is that you can no, no longer move up any more than 10 spots. And so that means that teams like the New York Rangers, uh, who just barely missed the playoffs, or in this case, were in the playoffs, can't jump up all the way to the first overall pick. At best, a team that is, you know, the 17th best uh, the seventeenth best team in the league can can only move up to you know somewhere in the middle of the top ten instead of moving all the way up to first. And I think that that's important because when the, when teams are naturally bad, when teams are bad for you know for reasons that make sense, like the the Detroit Red Wings who made the playoffs twenty five years in a row and absolutely depleted their prospect pool. They should get an opportunity to draft an outstanding talent. Um, and so I think that's a good change to, to be made. Now, where I think this is going to impact Vegas is that this particular offseason, it looks like the Golden Knights are going to have two picks in the top 40 of this year's draft. They're going to have their own pick, which is probably going to fall somewhere between 20 and 31. And, and that's, I say 31, because although there are going to be 32 teams in this year's draft, including Seattle, you have to remember that the Arizona Coyotes surrendered their first round pick this right. year uh, for violating the rules of the draft by working guys, working prospects out outside of the NHL draft combine. Golden Knights will be picking somewhere between 20 and 31 with their first their first round pick. And then they're also going to be using the New Jersey Devils' second round pick, which is probably going to be somewhere between 32 and, and 40. And so it, the Golden Knights are going to have an opportunity to, to pick a couple of pretty good players. And especially in a year like this, where scouting is less consistent, to say the least, there are going to be opportunities to take players that may have excelled this year if they had actually been playing games, but just aren't going to have an opportunity to show themselves off as, as well as they otherwise would. And so the Golden Knights are going to take some risks and they're going to swing on guys that potentially have big, big upside. And they're either going to hit or they aren't, but they're going to have a chance to go for players that may not have otherwise been available if this season had played out as it normally would, or if they had delayed the draft for six months to a year. And so I think it only works in the Golden Knights' favor uh, for, for the draft to stay where it is because... If the Golden Knights have shown anything over these past few years, it's that they have an ability to pull out high-end talent from later rounds uh, or at the back half of the first first round. So this is this is nothing but good for the Golden Knights. The legacy of Nikita Gusev dies 
on that pick lives or dies on that pick. Yeah. Just to remind fans, Nikita Gusev got traded for that second round pick uh, from the New Jersey Devils, as well as a third round pick in the 2020 NHL draft, which became Lucas Cormier, who, man, we've said it before and I'll say it again, continues to be absolutely outstanding in the QMJHL this year. So you're right. The, the legacy of Nikita Gusev with the Golden Knights is probably going to turn on whether or not they get a, a great player out of that, that top 40 pick. Well, AJ, we are just about out of time again, uh, but we are going to be back again for another episode on Monday. Uh, and as a special sneak preview, we're going to be featuring an interview with Vegas Golden Knights top prospect, Peter Deliberatore, uh, who is currently one of the top scoring defensemen in the NCAA and in my opinion, is probably going to be a, a Vegas Golden Knight or a Henderson Silver Knight uh, sometime next year. So uh, so look out for that episode on Monday. But until then, AJ, say goodnight to the people. Good night, people. <laughs> we'll see you guys all on Monday.